Hey, everybody, I'm Dan Bro, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that we can help you become the real estate hero. Today, I'd, wel- I'd like to welcome the big man himself, Shoot. Gino Palumba. This guy, he is the phenom. Uh, he is the college millionaire. He's got a million nicknames. Um, I dubbed the last one. That's my favorite one. Uh, but this guy, he's, he's 22 years old. He's got 24 rental units. He's done one and a half million dollars in wholesale or flip transactions this year so far. We're not even done with the year. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's crushing it. He's, um, he's doing big things that really impressive. He just got done pretty much traveling the world while keeping his business going. Um, I mean, so much to learn from this guy, no matter how long you've been in the business, um, he's doing some really cool things. So Gino, uh, super grateful to have you on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you're, you're 22. Um, you're, you're crushing it right now. I mean, how did you get started in all this to begin with? Yeah. So good question. So I started all this, a simple question or simple answer to that is YouTube. So back in, um, late of 2019, um, actually, excuse me, 2018, I was stumbling across YouTube videos. I've always had the entrepreneurial background, you know, selling stuff from eBay, China, from China to eBay shoes when I was 12, like special edition shoes. I mean, literally I've been doing it since about sixth grade selling Krispy Kreme donuts that we would buy and then sell them to the kids. So like I had this long entrepreneurial background. I'm always looking for the next thing. Um, and so I stumbled upon YouTube, the Max Maxwell video, which a lot of us guys know, you know, he's the one that really in my eyes and a lot of other people have different people. Like there's some people have Sean Terry, they discovered real estate from, um, you know, other rich dad, poor dad, but mine was just Max Maxwell YouTube video. And so I saw that as soon as I saw that there's such a thing where you could buy real estate without technically using your own money or using money at all. I was very, you know, hooked. So I went in, dived into as much videos as possible. Um, And so again, that was late 2018, probably around September, October. I immediately bought bandit signs. I had money. Um, Luckily for my other businesses, I was like, Hey, let me buy It's only $200, bought these bandit signs and um, placed them out by November about I think the first week of November I closed my first deal so it was pretty quick um, it was just as much action as I could take right after those YouTube videos and I was fully you know fully into it so yeah I went into it and luckily got my first deal in the first couple months so yeah that's awesome all right bandit signs I- I've been using them for a long time I love them uh, you know there are some downsides are you are you still using those no, I stopped using them. I should get bring them back, but again, you what, what you're about to say the the uh, the downsides got, came over me. Hmm. So I was like, I haven't done them since. But yeah, do you get any fines? Luckily, I didn't get any. But like, so to give you a little more background on it, November that was closed my first deal. Kept putting on put putting them out, and I got my second deal from it. I got like total thirty grand in in fees from it out of spending like probably thousand dollars. Yeah, but then. It was a constant, constant, every week battle. I'm getting code enforcement calling me up, acting like sellers. Yeah. I'm getting, you know, um, every code enforcement in the county I was in. I was only doing one county at the time, so every city was calling me up. Yeah. And um, this happened that my buddy, uh, that my buddy now is a guy I actually didn't know then. I saw him post on social media. Like he got, like the cops did like a sting operation on him. Like five cops like told him, hey, meet me at this house. 
and he didn't know and he went there and there's like five cops that like cornered him and like you need to stop doing this and we're giving you these fines show up in court and so at that time I was already starting to do cold calling and I was like all right let me just switch to that <laughs> and uh, so yeah no I'm not doing that anymore yeah well well after hearing a story like that I don't I don't blame you yeah I was scared yeah um so you, you started then you, you're getting a couple deals on bandit signs which is awesome um it's a great way to start um so what does the business look like now um so what does the business look like now so now we have about four to five marketing channels to start with that side of it we do sms this is our main one tv comes in second um, we have cold call we do very minimal now just we have one caller 40 hours a week uh, we have a uh, need to sell my house fast. We buy SEO leads. Um, and now we're looking into forward or we're looking for, well, we do do JV deals. So I guess that counts as a marketing source. We do a bunch of JV deals. Um, and then also now we're looking to do some direct mail, but so that's where the marketing side of the business looks like now. Um, awesome. Now in terms of the layout of the business and the, the people there um, we have, I look today, we have 17 total employees in the business, including myself. Wow. So 16 other people in the business, um, I would say about 10 of those are VAs, 10 to 11, and the remaining amount is Americans that are working virtual because we are a full virtual operation, no office, uh, everything's online. So I want to dig into that because, you know, a lot of people, they think, well, you know, I got to set up an office, I need to hire a bunch of local people, but you've obviously done things a little differently. Yeah, so when I first started and I actually presented on this in collective genius, the mastermind, uh, when I first started this business, I was fresh off traveling to Europe. Um, this is 2018, right? I was fresh off traveling to Europe and I actually went again in December. So November, I closed my first wholesale deal. And then December, I was already planning to go like this was like six months planned out. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love traveling. I love doing what I could do uh, whenever I wanted to. I was full time in college at that time. And which we just graduated. I just graduated last August, 2021. But at this time, thank you, sir. But this time I was in college, but I still wanted to do what I, you know, still wanted to do what I wanted to do at any time. So I wanted to build a business around that. And I think Carlos and Sal, you know, Carlos mm -hmm. Reyes, Sal Shakir, I yeah. found them, excuse me, recently around the same time, around the same time. And I knew they were virtual wholesaling. Even though they had a big office, I know you could do this without, you know, being in an office and being strapped to a location and so to long story short i saw that and I, I i built the business around that i knew that's what we wanted to do and um you know fast forward now that's where we're at but to dig more deeper in there i just learned everything i could you know virtually like how we could do this virtually you know it was a little hiccups in the beginning because you know i was going on some appointments in the beginning before i really established this but you know I later figured out how to close over the phone, how to set up transactions virtually. You know, again, it's in my hometown. I mean, my home, you know, I'm in Georgia. I wholesale in Georgia, but I don't do anything, you know, in, in person, right? Other than going to closings when I want to go into closings. You know, I don't yeah. even have to, like when I was in Europe, like Dan talked about the last like 80 days, I mean, we had, you know, some, you know, we had our closings. I don't know how many, but I mean, I just didn't have to go. Even if we bought flips, I didn't have to go because I would just have someone as a POA or someone that was, you know, on the corporate resolution signed for our, our company. So, you know, it, it all came to that. It all started with that one purpose of, hey, I want to be able to travel and do my things. And uh, I just took the business, you know, um, into that direction. And that's where it led us now three years later, roughly. Yeah. 
I, I will. I, I love that last thing you just said, like it was taking you in the direction that you wanted to go. Like you had that end goal in mind. And that's where I, I find a lot of people that I talk to, they get lost is they don't have that clear end picture in mind. And so they just end up doing all this different stuff that they're just sort of all over the place. But it sounds like you were really intentional about setting up your business to accommodate this sort of lifestyle that you've been very successful at living. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. But yeah, you know, it was a, uh, I know we talk about too, Dan, between me and you, like some of my, you know, personal long-term visions, they're not as planned out as this, but what I did know what I wanted to do, I did want to travel the world or I wanted to travel across, you know, the country when I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I mean, yeah, I was, I was in full direction to do that. I didn't want to get tied down to a nine to five. That was a big thing. You know, like we all see, you know, I have people, friends, you know, luckily my dad wasn't in that boat. He was an entrepreneur himself. So I saw that firsthand and how powerful that was when my friend's dads would come late to practices. My dad was there already, you know, or for games or, you know, if he had to come, you know, and my mom too, you know, she was stay at home mom, but she raised four kids. So it was really a full-time job, but you know, she was available. So when I saw that, you know, that, what that gave to our family, I was something now that I look at, you know, today, I don't think when I was doing this in the beginning and before that I was really taking consideration to it. But now that I'm in this spot here, it really, you know, proves to me like, Hey, this is what I wanted to do. And these are, you know, this is the reason I'm doing it. So I can do what I want, where I want again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for, for people that might be looking to set up a, a virtual business, what are in, in your experience, what are some of those key factors to making it work? Oh, the key factors is for sure the right people. And because you got to think about this, if you're not next to a person every single day in an office, or next to that person, you know, while they're training and all that, you're not going to have that, you know, it's not going to be as successful, because what we're trying to build is is a team and a family, right, and if you can't, you know, laugh and joke with them next to them, tap them on the head, you know, play some jokes with them, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely harder in virtual, you know, Mm -hmm. because you can't do that virtually, so you got to find the right people that share your core values, and, you know, still treat them like they're right next to you in the office too, right, we're not, not talking to them, you know, throughout the day, we have a new thing now where we have on our discord is where we communicate um, through our, our team. And sorry if you guys hear my dog work in the background, but discord is we can join each other's offices. It's something new, right? So discord is kind of like Slack, but they have also office channels. Mm-hmm. So everyone's in their own office. And at any time I could pop in and say, yo, what's up? I got to you know, need help with this, you know, to our dispo or, you know, hey, how's it going today? When I know it's their lunch break and they're in the office. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot different now. We just got that tool a month ago. So before all that, it was just really honing in on, you know, communicating, you know, having, you know, these talks once a week, you know, just making sure they're being heard people in our organization and making sure they understand their importance and the role. Because again, it's hard to not divert when they can't physically see it, right? They can't physically see me, you know, praising them or touch, you know, I know it sounds weird, but touching, like talking with them face to face. You know, it's, it's a lot different. So we just yeah. had to make sure we built our organization around that. Yeah, that's, that's so key though, that communication. I mean, that's where I, I talk about this between difference between doing a closing or, or selling over the phone versus selling in person. It's so in person is always going to be easier. You yeah. have your, you have your body language, your facial expression, your gestures, but when it's, it, you can do it over the phone successfully. I mean, it, your business is proof of that 
But then you have to have certain things. You have to train way more and pay way more attention to them, like tonality, the, exactly. the volume of your voice, your pacing, how you're matching their conversation style. Um, so that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you've been able to do that really well with your team, regardless of where they're at in the world. Yeah, no, I mean, we're for sure not perfect. And like we talked about too, and we mentioned it is like, there's no such thing as a perfect sales call. But at the same time, you know, we make sure we practice. and We practice twice a day, twice a day, right? We have meetings for our sales team. Now acquisition managers only once a day, but sales or lead managers are twice a day, constant training, right? So we, we really invest in education. You know, we have different coaches for them. You know, we have Steve Trang and we're also starting to partner up with John Martinez, just to, just to give them as many different, you know, you know, our job, my job as a CEO is to give my team the best education as possible, you know, so especially like you mentioned, closing over the phone's a little harder, for sure harder, you know, everyone says that it's a big deal to, you know, that we're constantly training and doing those meetings or investing in their education, because if not, we will definitely see a, a decline. So I find it super interesting that you do. So if I heard it right twice a day sales training for leads managers and once a day for acquisitions. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's probably 10 times more training than the average company does. Um, they might do once a week. So exactly. what does that actually look like? So let's, let's go to the, the leads manager. So twice yeah, a yeah, day, yeah, yeah. what do those sessions look like and how long yeah, so are they? Good answer. They're only 30 minutes and sometimes we try to finish quicker, but the, so we'll start in at uh, 930 is the lead manager starting to 930 to 10, 930. What they do first 15 minutes is re recap yesterday's and see what their wins were and see where also they finished up on the, you know, their one thing, their one number, which is appointments. And we track and see, you know, if you didn't hit that, we let them read us their KPIs. If they don't hit it, why didn't you? And get that at least that one appointment. Um, after that 15 minutes, we get over the expectations. We talk about the wins from yesterday. We also then go into a role play. So we'll do a quick 15 minute role play. Uh, we want them, it rotates every day. So someone new is going, we'll get them quick. You know, we always can get better on the role play. So it's seen dramatic, like, yes, everyone increased. And we actually track that through our quality control. But, you know, we're always can change and there's always more things that objections that come up every day that, you know, I never even thought of training on that they needed to know. So that's again from 930 to 10 and then from three to 330, we'll do a 15 minute quick midday check in any problems that usually goes down to about 10 minutes um, and we'll make sure they're on pace to hit their one thing, their appointments based on their calls. And then that remaining time, we all listen to one of the person's calls that day. And usually we'll pick a call that's gone a little bit further than it should. And we'll, we'll identify what they could have done, what they could have done to disqualify quicker. That's been the trend in the last week or two. Uh, what can they have done to disqualify quicker? And we all listen together and everyone hears it. And uh, yeah, that's what we do. So I mean, I've seen dramatic change, especially in our, um, especially in the lead managers, because we know that's one of the most important, if not the most important role in the business. Absolutely. I love that. So so the first one, you're recapping wins, appointment set, the, the, their, their one number, the, the yeah. KPIs, going over you know, any issues they may have come into, and then role-playing someone different each and every time. And exactly. then on that, that afternoon one, check, quick uh, check-in on progress, and then listening on someone's call that uh, sounds like you're listening to calls where it's like, hey, this probably could have gone a little bit better. 
let's see where we can exactly yeah that's been the trend now we will listen to good calls too if we see a really good one of course we're going to listen to and see this what he did right um but you know the trend the last week or two is just really getting them to just qualify quicker and so we've been listening to calls i went eight minutes and they should have gone three yeah absolutely so that's something i mean every every single call i have with my students i talk about role playing and the importance of it um i'm curious if you have any sort of a ballpark idea on how much better your results got when you started doing this regular role playing yeah i couldn't and we started this like beginning of the year so i guess you could look the last year's numbers i mean now at the same time we've done more marketing done this and i would say we had, i couldn't put a number on it. i don't want to throw a number but i mean we definitely got significantly better i wish i tracked back then what they're like lead to a you know conversation to appointment ratio was but i yeah. didn't so i could give you an exact answer but i just know that i'll give you an answer on this let's just start with the um when we started doing quality control we rated them out of 12 a score yeah. the first month of april when we did this our two we only had two lead managers then and they were averaging an eight and a nine harry was an eight and jordan was around a nine mm-hmm. and now they're 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 consistently 11.5 to 12. Wow. As we go. So if you do that, they're 30% better. That's a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. 20 to 30% better on their calls yeah. and getting the, the things we need. So, I mean, that's the thing that that's the thing that always gets me. It's like, people are saying, Oh, I'm not closing enough deals. I need to spend more in marketing. Yeah. No. It's like, no, not yet. <laughs> like look at your process first. Like if you just improve, like if you improve the, the, conversation to appointment ratio even by 20 percent, even by 15 percent, 10 percent, you're going to be closing so many more deals with the same ad spend so now each each month you're going to be making more money your margins are going to be higher you're not spending a dollar more it's like i i just i love that you brought that up because it's something i talk about all the time and i and i'd like to be able to have you know a third party story to bring in to be like look guys this this is why this stuff works this is why you need to be doing it like some of the best investors and and wholesalers i know they're doing this not only weekly but sometimes daily or multiple times a day like so for sure this is a big and like we talked about the other week when we were talking personally i'm looking at our numbers from net leads to appointments what does a net lead mean for us it's anyone that we've got a hold of that wanted to sell right because we'll get people pushed to our crm that wants to sell but we can never get them on the phone yeah. and we never can confirm they really want to sell so net our net leads to appointment ratio people that said they want to sell we got a hold of you know if we can increase that i'm looking at it right in front of me we can increase that by just two and a half percent from being at 12 like we went over to 14 and a half percent right so 14 if we get 100 net leads if 14 and a half of those can be appointments around 15 just two and a half percent better we'll increase one hundred and five thousand dollars in revenue per quarter yeah by just doing that so that's like 30 something grand a, a month by just doing that one thing so if you can identify those and hope focus in on them, I mean, you don't need to spend anymore. And that's what we realized too. We spent a lot, but we know, Hey, let's get these down to these benchmark, these KPIs until we spend any more in marketing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think like I, I, one of the things I admire most about the businesses that, that you've created is that you analyze each component of it so that you're, you're making decisions based on data, not just, feelings or exactly. you know i see too many people doing that and that's why they they're constantly struggling is cuz they're they're making decisions based off stories or feelings or gut reactions 
and it's it's really hard to to hit that often on on exactly. that without the real data. So um, I, I I love that you do that, and um, I think that that's a huge reason why you guys are having the success you are. For sure, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'd say a hundred percent. It goes back to just knowing your numbers. That's what separates. You don't really have a business if you don't know. Yeah, you know your numbers. Absolutely. Um, so I'm curious, you know, out of, you know, you, you, you've been doing this for a few years, you, you've probably purchased a lot of different softwares and tools. What is one of the most valuable tools or services that you've purchased? Hmm, that's a good question. I never thought about that. What is the most valuable tool or service? So, hmm, that's a good one. So I would probably say just off the top of my hat of my head um what is the most valuable service is that including a mentorship or like mastermind could you do that sure i would say steve sales training hmm. and not that it's you know we're riding onto steve you know that he's the best of the best or, but he is really good he might be some of the best of the best yeah not only that i didn't have any sales process hmm. i didn't have anything for the first year 2019 didn't do have any of that. We closed about 21, 22 deals, did around 200,000. Now, you know, we're in that 2020 year, we almost tripled that, or we did triple that. Yeah. And I, and now the difference was just Steve. I don't think we didn't spend much more in marketing. It was literally just knowing my sales training and knowing my process of the set or knowing my sales process. Cause I didn't have any of that. I was just closing them just cause like off of my own luck, you know, yeah. I, I knew I'm good at talking with people. I just didn't have a process. And so right. when I was brought into that, for sure, that tool was the one that helped me, you know, and it even helped me discover there is a sales process. I didn't even know there's such thing as sales. I just talk to people and see if they want to sell their house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, it's amazing how much time you can save because like where I see a lot of people who, who don't have a sales process where they make mistakes is they spend so much time with people who have no intention of ever doing business yeah, exactly. with them. So they, they don't know the process of disqualifying and they're trying to convert everybody into a sale. And exactly. it's just, you're just going to waste so many hours doing that. And, and so having that system, again, it's all systems. It's all, it's all systems. You, you know, you have your, your training system for your acquisitions managers, your leads managers, you're measuring your KPIs, those key performance indicators. You have your, your sales process. Like it's, it's all systems and processes. And I mean, at, at such a young age, like I'm, I really admire that, that you've been able to put together such a good business, not just, not just wholesaling, just a good business. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, man. Um, how about, I, I know, so maybe this isn't a book you've read, but one you've listened to, like what's, if you were to say, you know, someone who's looking to get into the business world or mm. into wholesaling, what what's one of the few books you might recommend? The business world for sure. Attraction. Um, mm -hmm. that was one of the things I read right away when I heard everyone recommending it. Attraction just this to give you, you know, another it's kind of like the business process. I mean, yeah. like sales process, it's their business process, how you can set your business up, how you can build that foundation, that CRM, you know, that software that you know that that running, you know, your business software, you know, or the foundation that you can your business can run on, you know. So, you know, by reading that book, you know, you and when you guys read it, if you have already, it's just, you know, laying out the, the foundations for the, the building blocks of what you can do for your business. And, you know, 
that right there is scalable and you can do that with other businesses like we were talking before about. So I think for sure, 100% the biggest book for business and even wholesale. I mean, I read it to, for wholesale and building my wholesale business was traction. I immediately implemented all the tools and for sure that's also helped big time into the growth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a staple of, uh, I mean, so many business people, regardless of industry, Exactly. Uh, follow that model. And, and, you know, you might need to adapt a little bit depending on exactly what you're doing or the size of your business and how many employees you have. But in terms of uh, something that's easy to digest and is just going to teach you the fundamentals of what are the basics that I need to do to run a business? Great resource. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, so, you know, you started this all when you were in college. Uh, 2018. If you were to to go back, knowing what you know now, what's what are some of the things that you wouldn't have done, and what are some of those things that you wish you had done? Um, in just in my business or in general? In your business, yeah, my business. So, I would say in my business, what would I, what would I not done? I might not have just jumped on the train of direct to seller marketing as fast mm -hmm. as I did. I probably would have done my business mostly directly to co-wholesaling or JV deals. Interesting. Um, now I would have also have, I would have some direct seller market. I would probably do TV still. I would do the bigger, you know, PPC, the more digital marketing. Um, but I feel like if you're starting out, especially if you can, you know, do co-wholesale deals, I mean, it's just cash flow and cash flow without spending any dollars in marketing, you know, by just talking to these wholesalers. Like I tell everyone, if I started from zero today, I would build my wholesale. I mean, literally nothing. I would build my, I would start JV and co-wholesaling again. Because mm. even if I lost my contacts when I went to zero, I would know how to go back and get them, you know, and not the exact people, but I know how to find buyers. I know where to look, you know, now. So um, for sure, I would probably change more to a JV co-wholesaling method, but at the still the same time, um, you know, do a little bit direct to seller, but mostly I would try to focus on that. Yeah. And that's mostly because, uh, you you don't have all that expenses of, of expenses. marketing and you can just get into it super easy. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's a very low barrier of entry for that in terms yeah. of at least the cost of entry. Yeah, right? absolutely. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, I, I know you're in, a, you're in a lot of masterminds and you talk with a lot of investors. Um, what's some bad advice that you hear out there? Um... I would say some bad advice that I hear is like people that talk about, just put it all back into your business. Hmm. You know, when they make your money, just put it all back into your business. I was very careful in the beginning to not just hold back from putting money in my business. I'm also a big advocate of making sure you're putting that money to use. But if you don't have your KPIs or you do not have your returns on your investments for your marketing, and you're just putting it all into something that you're hoping is going to achieve you, you know, success, you're just, you're gambling at that point, right? So I would recommend if you had, you know, all your KPIs, you know, at least six months or 60 days to 90 days, really 90 days of numbers, you could see like how much your cold calling it costs per lead um, and how much leads it takes to get a contract and how many contracts to close. You find that number out and then you keep those as your benchmarks and then jump in, throw another two or three grand, double your spend and just track those and make sure every week they're on that pace then you can do that. But don't I have a, a problem with like a lot of people just put it right back into your business. Like you're just 
at that point, you're just gambling, hoping you're going to, you know, put it in the right spot. And at first I did a lot of that, but I realized quickly, like I put, I made like 10 grand in my first deal and I put three grand into, you know, like cold calling list and stuff like that. And I'm like, wait, hold on. First off, cold calling didn't even get me the deal. Why am I spending money on this? And then two, I don't even know what I'm expected from this. I'm, wait, I'm just gambling at this point. So now I went back and I bought like, you know, double the bandit signs and I and actually got me another deal. And so it's just, it goes back to, you need to know your numbers. Don't just throw money that you make, you know, off your first deals into the, your business per se. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Um, so, you know, out of the, the past few years, what are, what are, would you say are some new beliefs or habits um, that have had the biggest impact on your success? Um, the biggest beliefs and habits that I've had since started the business that helped our success. I mean, the biggest belief is that, you know, investing in your education, invest in your, your, your uh, self, right? A lot of people, you know, they look at it as an expense, you know, masterminds or this course, right? Even some courses, they look at it as an expense. Like I got to give a thousand dollars to this guy. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, if it's worth it, but think about it. So we're lucky in our business of real estate wholesaling, real estate investing. You just learned one thing from a course that gives you, you know, that's a thousand dollars. Just one thing to get you an extra deal. Our average deal size where we're at is 25 grand. You know, I know around the country, it's usually around 15, 20. So you only need one tip from that thousand dollar course to make you know 15 to 20 15 x your return so why are you eliminating look at it as an investment not as expense right so that's what was a big belief that i at first didn't have and then i realized that and that's including marketing too look at everything i'm marketing as an as an investment not an expense like oh i'm about to spend 25 grand on tv this month oh my gosh like that's just too much but if i know it's gonna give me two and a half x i should make 75 grand off of it Mm -hmm. so why wouldn't I put that in there? You know, you change your mindset and it makes you more, you know, stable. It gives you that foundation to grow because if not, you're just scared to spend that money. And if you know, you can get a return on it. You know, you should be okay with yourself spending it. You should be yeah. I and mean, that right there is going to allow you to make more money. Right? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that what I, what I find interesting is um, the most successful business people or entrepreneurs that I know are, the also the ones that invest the most in themselves you know they all have coaches they all go to masterminds they all buy courses they all they all do that stuff every one of them exactly yeah i think it's a big thing you know it's just like we go to school for four years people spend 50 60 70 thousand dollars to get a degree which you're not even promised one thing you know, instead you can invest it into your business knowledge or in the wholesale and real estate. And again, you're not promised one thing, but you're more directed to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that return is right there, you know, and you have that, you know, you have your brain for the rest of your life. Like I said it earlier, it's, hey, if I started from nothing, I still know how to find buyers yeah. and you can't, you know, put a price on that. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. So what kind of, I'm curious, like what kind of groups or coaches or are you working with now? Yeah, so I'm in, um, I was in first Steve's, you know, sales training slash mastermind, Steve Trank, right, disruptors. Um, then I went into, I did, I'm trying to think of all, actually, I first started out going to Max Maxwell events to show hmm. patronage to my man that started us out, started me out and um, went into another sub to land trust uh, through one of Max Maxwell's guys, hmm. uh, then joined Steve's, then I joined like Tiffany High. 
and did some of their stuff. But then I also did um, Collective Genius now, right, Mastermind, um, and then just hired some coaches along the way. No, I'm forgetting a lot of them, but, you know, I bought a bunch of courses I can't even remember, hmm. but, you know, in that time period, uh, but in terms of masterminds, those are the biggest ones that I, I attended. So a lot, a lot. Yeah, I think <laughs> I did the math the last two years, um, including 2020, 2021, we'll spend probably 60, 70 grand in, you know, investments in yeah. education. Not a right. small amount. No. Not at all. And I would be saying that's crazy three years ago, but quickly figured out like that's the cheat code to business, you know, it's the cheat. Yeah. So it's, it's the, it's how to get there without all the trial and error. It's like, like I say this all the time to, to people that are considering coaching. I'm like, you can probably get there on your own. Like if you, if you really put in the work and, and you, you, all the effort. If you, if you do what's necessary, you can get there. It'll just take you a lot longer and you'll make a lot more mistakes along the way. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's like a, it's like you, you skip a bunch of steps. You, you don't have to worry about making all these mistakes. You can, you can fast forward your, your whole process. And, and I mean, you're paying for speed in, in, in general, like that's like, how do I get there as quickly as possible? And exactly. You, you do that by learning from people who have already done it. Exactly. Yeah. So you're spending money to get time and that's what's, you know, we value time. So you can yep. save that time, you know, yeah. and you make a return on it. Like you hope to do for sure. Yeah. It's the cheat code. That's what I, why I mentioned it. Yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things that I'm sure you've dealt with at some point, cause I know, I know you do, uh, you have some Airbnbs and, and and regular rentals. You do some flipping, some wholesaling. I know you have the your lead gen business. I mean, yeah. there there's so many ways to make money in real estate. Like, how do you focus yourself when you're getting distracted? That's a good question. I mean, that we all have that shiny object syndrome. A lot of us. Um, I think the biggest thing that it goes back to is just making sure you have the right people in your businesses to help hmm. you. You know direct you to that, you know, that line of vision, because I have vision set up for, you know, most of the companies. And, but in particular, I have our wholesaling flip company. I have, you know, our integrator Chandler, you know, he's always holding me to an expectation to stay focused. And, you know, it's easy for both of us to go out to another, you know, venture and look at it, but what really gives us the, the passion to go, you know, focus more into that wholesale flip operation is that we have, our purpose written down. We have our core values. We have a team. We have everything established for us. And so it really just drains, not drains our energy, it pushes our energy towards that once we yeah. know that we have these these set goals, right? So I try not to get unfocused on any of the, um, the wholesale and flip. I just use these as, you know, in these businesses as something like we talk about that Legion business is probably an hour a week, two hours max that I'm involved in it. Um, the post, the Airbnbs, I got managers to do all of it is actually my girlfriend. I don't even pay attention to that. Um, the flips, I mean, the, the long-term rentals, we have a 17 unit manager for that. Like, I'm not worried about, you know, any of the, you know, day-to-day stuff or even the weekly stuff most of the time. So it's really getting those people in there to stop or prevent you from that. And then also having a buddy or an integrator like Chandler that just keep you, you know, focused on the wholesale. So I mean, I, I, I love your answer to that because it was pretty much 
all focused on having the right people and yeah. having the other exactly. team. And, and well, outside of that, you, you did mention, you know, having pretty much the end in mind, having that, that vision, those values and all yeah. that. But what I want to focus on right now is like your ability to build a team. Like what are, what are some of the things that you found to be really successful in getting the right people around you and, and utilizing them to their fullest potential. Yeah, I would say the number one thing, most important thing is setting up those core values, right? Setting up those foundation to your business with those core values is gonna allow you to hire people and fire people off the off those, right? So when you can start hiring people based on core values and not just based on you know, how good their test scores are, how good their you know, predictive index is, you can start building a team that you really wanna be around through every day. Because if your core values, which ours are growth mindset. We want to constantly be growing integrity, right? We want to lead in the right direction. We don't want to be, you know, lying behind people's backs or taking advantage of them. And then three commitment. Those are my core values. I built those. Right. So now, and they change on and off, you know, once a year, probably will change them um, or adjust them. But when I use that to build, you know, the foundation to our, you know, organization, I will end up getting everyone on our team should be, you know, into those categories, into those core values. And so if I can get everyone on, technically everyone, a part of my core values, they follow them that are in my business, then we're all pretty much connected. We all have the same, you know, you know, same ability, same, you know, core values, right? That's exactly what it is. And so we can have that. We can all grow together where we know how each other are. We know what we, you know, put everything in. We know what's important, right? And if we can do that and building that team, we can multiply, because if we're if our, one of our core values is growth mindset, that should mean that 16 of my other, you know, employees or, you know, other people I get to work with, we all have that mindset. You know, some might have it more than others, but if we have 16 people that have that growth mindset, guess where our company is going to be doing? It's going to be growing, you know, right? So we can position ourselves into that fashion to just keep on growing. And that goes along with the two other core values. So when someone doesn't have that or when someone starts, you know, not showing that commitment, our people will call them out on it because we all know these are our core values. If I see if our discipline manager sees our TC slacking a little bit, she'll call her out and say, hey, look, you know, we're a team. You're not showing that much commitment. And I don't know what's going on. Let's figure out what it is. Is there everything okay? And, you know, we'll just hold each other accountable to these core values. And when we can do that, I don't have to get involved, you know, because my other team, my team members are doing that for me. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know it's long-winded answers. No, it's a, but it's a it's a great answer. Um, so, how do you test or evaluate someone's core values? Yeah, so there's multiple ways. You know, the one way we've been taught, Dan. I know we taught we've been into a couple of the and organizations which we forgot. Sharper too. I've also invested in Sharper into some of my masterminds. Is you know one easy way to do it is you know tell that person um, that you're asking, you know, let them pick three people they know right? Three people they know in their life. And then write down, you know, three characteristics of that person they really like, right, about them or what they feel that person shows, right? So I might say, Dan, you know, he's hardworking. He's got the growth mindset. You know, he's got honesty and tech, right? You might put down whoever could be your mom, someone you know, right? And you'll start seeing a trend, right? They'll do this for three people. They'll put, you know, five to seven characteristics of that person Mm -hmm. for three people. And so you end up getting 15 to 16, you know, they write down 15 or 16 different things, right? And you'll find a trend between those, right? You'll see that multiple of those people, you know, all of those three people, all three, you know, have honesty, right? And say, oh, that's interesting. 
And all three of those people have growth mindset. And, you know, all three of those people have commitment. You wrote down their characteristics. All three of them have. Com- so you'll start seeing a trend. And when you see them showing up multiple times, you know, that's really what that person is. You know, Because if you like people and the people they pick, they like them because, you know, they're like themselves or they want to be like that person. Those are the core values they hold to themselves. So if you can get those reoccurring, those are your core values. And that's how we figured out. I know I picked three people that I'm really close with and that I really admire and three people and my main ones that kept showing up, they both had growth mindset, all three of them, um, you know, something again, not every single one is going to have every, you know, the exact, but majority of the time, right. They had growth mindset, they had commitment. And then they also had integrity, all these people. So that's how I built my core values. Love it. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. That's well, you know, it, it's, it's showing. Cause if you have 17 people and your business is doing as, as well, it is, as it is, then, I know that you're not running the show with every single person there. You're not there telling everybody what to do all the time. Oh. Um, so I'm sure other people are curious. So, you know, you just, you just traveled for a few months in Europe. Like what is your role in the business actually look like at this point? So as of today, um, my role is just the visionary of the business. So my job is just to come up with the visions for the organization, keep having us grow, um, attract higher talent, um, you know, recruit some higher talent, not do the interview process, but get more people on our team available um, or get more people in the recruitment process, come up with those bigger ideas. Like yesterday, we talked a little bit, Dan, we came up with another idea of how we can start giving offers, right? This is my job as the business owner and the, the visionary to come up with these ideas and to pass it down my chain of command into, you know, being put into place. And so that's my day to day right now. It's probably, you know, my majority of my time now just spent on the high level things, which I'm lucky enough to do um, and blessed enough to have the people to do, you know, to replace me in my other roles. Cause I started doing everything at first. Right. So um, right now though, again, there's a visionary meet with Chandler once, you know, twice a week, you know, we'll talk on the phone every day, but, you know, twice a week about how we can get better, what's our difficulties and how we can solve them. But again, I'm trying to only get involved in the big problems, the big issues and solve those. Hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's the dream, right? Everybody wants to get to that, but what did it, I'm curious, what did it look like along the way in, in your transition to that role and, and how long did that take? Yeah, so it didn't, I didn't get there until August before I left to go to Europe of uh, this year. So it was about three years. I mean, from when I first found wholesaling, it took three years to get there. And the transition was this, look, I got quickly out of the stuff I wasn't good at. I hired VAs. I did have a former partner. Um, not that he was just as good at those things as I was, but I put him in other spots that I was not good at. Yeah. And um, then brought on Chandler um, about a year and a half ago. And um, I just, I quickly got out of the things I wasn't good at. Now I stayed in acquisitions. Didn't give that out for about two years. And then when I did get that out, I quickly, you know, got in the position of a sales manager. And that was my last position in the company, just handling all our sales from lead manager to acquisition manager training to, you know, MAOs to all this coordination. Um, But I knew that by August, I wanted to have this in my mind. I wanted in my mind to have a sales manager take my role because I want to be, excuse me, up there in the visionary spot and really help the company as much as I could. And so that was again all of 20 really since like March or April of 2021 I've been focused on becoming out of that sales manager role and so by August time then when August time came um, I gave it to our uh, one of our acquisition managers so um, that's how the process you know progressed 
So I, I know, I mean, personally, uh, and I know this is something that a lot of other entrepreneurs have difficulty with is letting go, right? It's, it's like, well, I created this business. It, it's, you know, I'm the most at risk here. I have the most writing on this. I need to make sure this works. I, I, like, I need to be the one, like, I know how to do all these jobs. So I need to make sure everyone's doing it right. Like, how did you get past that fear? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess what really helped me get past that fear is I'm still not, I can't say I'm completely against it or uh, cured from that still today. But I think a big thing that helps me is having numbers, um, you know, KPIs to hold these people accountable to, right? And having Chandler to actually hold them accountable to. And I just hold Chandler accountable that is dropping the ball, right? Now through the chain of command. So, but the, before I even got into the visionary role, it was also with other organizations is knowing, hey, I'm the business owner, but I got to also get trust these people. I put them in there for a reason. I just need to make sure that I'm holding them accountable. So the numbers that I told them, I want them to be held accountable. And guess what? Those people that are the sales manager now, he's got to hold the lead managers and the acquisition managers accountable for the numbers he was given. So if all this coincides, if all of our KPIs, which we've been tracking for years now, coincide, you know, they should be able to do it. They will perform. And I just had to get that in my head that, look, it's just a numbers game. It's data. As long as I'm holding them accountable for the numbers they're getting, and as long as they're getting those numbers, you know, you don't need to be getting involved in that, right? You don't have to be talking to them. You don't need to be on the day-to-day -day with them. You need to let them grow as a leader, right? Yep, absolutely. So um, I know you're, you're, into personal development, just as much as I am, I, I know you, you believe like, you know, mindset is, is half of it. Um, you know, if you were to put one thing on a billboard that everyone would see, what would that be? Like one quote, like one. Yeah. Well, tip. quote, a sentence, a saying, anything, anything. Mm. I would probably go back to just saying something like, look, investing your, yourself or your brain is the most you know powerful tool invest in your education you know something like that right like just investing in yourself like for you know people don't look at that i feel like as as you know important in terms of when you're in a business right everyone goes to college they invest in their education there but they stop there a lot of people we got to say probably 99 percent of the people in the world after they go to college they don't invest in education for them whether it's just learning how to even learn how to paint their house more if it, or do this with, they don't even want to learn right they want someone else to do it for them which is okay in certain things but when you want to be able to be the best version of yourself you need to invest in yourself consistently you know because yeah. you just stay stagnant you don't want to be the same person you were at 21 that you were at 60 you know or that you are at 60 now so i mean you might thing. i think you might be okay if, if you're Shoot, short of it. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping i'm better by then even better <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I mean, where do you, where are you going with all this? Where do you want to be in the next few years? Um, that's a good question. I mean, that's the thing, like, I still, I'm not a hundred percent on, you know, I have business goals and stuff like that, but you know, for me in a couple of years, few years, I have no come 22 now. I really like, there's not one thing I want to be at you know, um, where, I, where I'm thinking I want to be at. I just want to have successful businesses that run, you know, on themselves, 
right, where I'm not involved in it consistently and, you know, just empowering more people, helping more people get to where I'm at, especially at that point where I should be at, you know, so, I mean, the goal is just to create, yes, create the income, create, you know, obviously we're working, you know, some part of it is for the money, but at the end of the day, you know, finding that why and getting better at it, like we talk about, you know, because it's constantly changing, you know, it's just really hopefully getting closer to my why. That's the best answer to it. And so what is that thing that's driving you? So I think the, you know, first when we talked about it, you know, which, oh, sorry, microphone connected, moving my hands too much. But, um, you know, the first thing that we talked about way back, Dan, is like, you know, my first, my wife was like, hey, I want to be able to have the freedom, you know, like I am now, like to do what I want when I want. And I want to be able to, you know, spread that to my kids, be with them to help them learn these things that I know and, you know, be around for them when they need, you know, to go to their school to get them something or whatever, go to their baseball game, whatever it may be. But I think the deeper meaning behind that is just being able to help more people in that free time, not just my kids, but also help other, you know, entrepreneurs, people that are learned about real estate and help them get to the level where I'm at. Because that way I can build that legacy kind of like Pace Morby's been doing, that kind of what Pace Morby's been doing you know, with his mentorship, like he's now freed up a lot of time and he's just devouring content to his, you know, his students and just really trying to get them to the position to where they can be successful without, you know, without the help of anyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it comes down, but it's always changing. I mean, I'm not an expert at it. I still struggle with it, trying to figure out exactly what's my why. And I think it's a tough question. You've really got me thinking about it more over the last months or two, because it's not, something I have nailed completely down. I would be lying yeah. if I said I had it, you know. It's, a, it's, it's like one of the harder questions and, you know, it can change. Uh, I, I find that, you know, your why can change. Like my why, when, you know, when I got married, it changed. When I had kids, it changed. Like it, it's not this, it's not this set in stone thing. Like it can evaluate over time and, and your purpose, you might have a specific purpose for, for this year. It's like, we have one specific thing. I want to get exactly. that done this year or this quarter or this decade. Like, so that can all change generally. Um, as long as you have something that you're aiming towards, then you can direct your action. Uh, but when people are like, I have no idea what I want. It's like, well, then it's pretty hard to know what to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, if, you know, you're, you're talking about Pace, who's created this, this awesome legacy so far, um, you know, let's say if people, people say your name and you're not there, what do you want people to think when they hear your name? That's a good, another good question. Good spiritual question. I guess it goes back to the why, like, look, this, you know, this guy is amazing. You know, he's helped me achieve what I've always wanted to achieve. You know, he gave me the opportunity. Um, you know, he treated us fairly. You know, he gave everyone, you know, the right knowledge. You know, he's a go-giver. Things like that is what really would, you know, bring something, you know, that they enjoy hanging around too. You know, I want to be hanging around people. I like being outgoing, talking to people. And, you know, I think if I can pair that in with helping you know, them learn more about real estate. Like I love talking about it. You know, that's what gets us excited. Me and Chandler talked about it. We like helping people, mm-hmm. you know, seeing them come back. You know, we just had a call with some people before this and they're like, yo, since you, we talked, we started doing this and marketing and we've seen a big change. Like that's obviously makes you feel good. You know, no one can say that doesn't. And I think that's actually a big driver for us. You know, we want to do that with our employees. 
like I'll have a call with them probably the next week or two is I'm going to outline their, where they can go in this company mm-hmm. to really show them, you know, their growth. And I'm going to step a plan. I'm going to put a plan together, to get them there. Like probably actually in the next hour after this call, me and Chandler are going to do that with our best person on the phone with them and say, Hey, look, this is the options we can go. And uh, what do you want to do? And make them feel like, you know, and not make them really give them the opportunity to, to make their future. Right. That's awesome. Design it. Super cool. Well, I think, you know, a lot of what you just shared about how you want people to think about you, it, that that sort of reveals a lot of your why right there. Um, so that was my sneaky way of getting I know. I saw that when you answer. said, I'm like, damn, this is going to give me a perfect one. <laughs> I like that. Um, so um, what what can our, our listeners do to, to help support you? And what they can help support me well you heard what i want to do what my why is so if you guys want to reach out to me on instagram um gino at gino gino underscore rei real estate investing underscore atl let me know if you have any questions um if you were looking to you know you need any help or any suggestions we also have a facebook group um where you can reach out to us and again this is just the purpose of you know getting a hold of us so we can help as many people so level up uh real estate is the facebook group um, and you'll see us in there and, uh, yeah. So just again, reach out if you have any questions and I'd love to help out. Awesome. So if you were to pick just one thing that you would hope people would remember and take away from this conversation, what would it be? I think it goes back, invest in yourself, invest in yourself. Don't be afraid to spend a mentoring. I know some people in here are watching it are part of your, you know, your, uh, your group, your mastermind group. Um, and I think it's very important to invest in yourself because that's, that's really what you're going to be able to take to the grave man, for the rest of your life. You can learn the sales training, dance, teaching, you know, sales training. You can use that the rest of your life. You know, no matter what you do, say you stop real estate, you go to the flea market, you can use it. You go to the restaurant, you could use it. You go wherever you want, you can use it. So it's important to invest in yourself, you know, so that you can have these skills the rest of your life. Absolutely. I love it. Um, Mr. Gino, if you were a superhero, which one would you be? That's a good question. Um, if I was a superhero, which one would I be? I'm not huge into superheroes, but I would probably say someone like, um, man, that's a tough one for me. <laughs> um, I guess is my boy Optimus Prime is a superhero, right? Sure. I would pick up Optimus Prime. I love the Transformers. That's pretty cool. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, I know it wasn't a traditional one, but I, like I would it. pick. My boy Optimus Prime. Right on. All right, All right man. Well, um, thanks for, for being here, sharing your stories, your lessons. I mean, I, I, I know I'm better for it. So I know everyone that's listening is better for it. Um, super grateful for you. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, if you got value out of this, please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends. Um, and I also want to make sure that you're able to grow from this. So just pick one thing from today and take action on it right now. As soon as you're done listening, just do one thing to move in the right direction. Make the call, schedule the meeting, just do something. The only way that you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro with Real Estate Heroes.